favorite church. I don't know. I like it a lot. And, uh, you know, if you've been around for a while, you know I'm an angel fan. Got this with my brother-in-law. We went down to he tweeted me on a birthday, I think it was. Uh, we went down, flew down. Never did that before. Flew down to Orange County from the Bay Area. We were to John Airport. We had Brazilian barbecue. Man, those were the days that were. That's back when we had baseball and we were mad. And so I wanted to uh, I wanted to bless him, so I went to the, the gift shop, a territory I had never before mentioned, Brave, uh, because of my slippers, um, my wallet. And so I, I went in there and I wanted to get, because the first year we had Shohei Otani, so I wanted to get out there. Thought I picked myself up a little something up in the meantime, you know. I'll always mask when you want to get something. Always mask it at goodwill for someone else first. And you know, and compliment yourself. right? So I, I picked this up and I love it because it's so comfortable. It's just, I don't know what you can feel it, but it's probably after. And here's what's fascinating is uh, shortly after I thought I took I did not want it because I picked up on what my wife said. And he said, I didn't have to say, I just know him. And I did. But here's the thing is that this church, the material is so fragile that even when it goes through the wash, when it rubs up against another material, that actually stands it. And I'll never forget when I pulled it out of my closet after it had been washed, I looked, and here, right on the front, was this huge thread. I was so upset. My beautiful world had been sad. And for a moment I thought, wait a minute, I'll fix it. So this snag right, you can't see it, but the snag right here, and I'm just going to go ahead and, because it looks like I, I don't want that on me. That bothers me, right? I had a perfect world going. But not now, and it wasn't my fault. I'm just going to get rid of it right now. I'm going to pull on this one. So, wait. Yeah, that's good. I'm having to wrap 
wrestle with is why did so many end up shipwrecking their faith? Well, I think for all intents and purposes, where we started eight weeks ago, we get through something. The living class is always Based that statement on the fact and on the simple use, John Steingard, of course, is definitely Steve Steingard, had been struggling for a long time with his Christian faith. Son of a pastor, grew up in a Christian home, and many years ago he said he started to lose his faith but couldn't talk about it, couldn't share it. By the way, that's the first problem. If you are struggling in your faith, there are many around you that is a real situation. And honestly, where we're going today in Scripture, you're going to see that over and over and over. But one of the lies of our adversary is to get us to be quiet about it. And if he can get us to be quiet and internalize and suffer, then it magnifies bad thinking and eventually we get snagged. Shipwreck our faith. Let me explain that very simply because his statement is profound and it works very easily with my opening illustration of my shirt. When he said, How did he get to this point? John Steingart says this it's been more like pulling on the threads of a sweater. One day discovering there was no more sweater left. So this morning, as we look at our series, we start with this idea from someone who has walked in the faith for decades. He says, I have lost my faith. I can no longer believe in a God that allows suffering. This was his main challenge. I can no longer believe in a God who allows suffering. You know, John has it right. The way he words it is that God allows suffering. My question to you, John, if you ever watched it, if anybody ever refers this message to you, know that there are many around you that have gone through immense suffering. You will see in Scripture today one that you don't know, I don't know, but we see his testimony. We also see, and you know this, John, that there are many around you that have given up on their faith because of suffering. And the statement often is, why believe in a God who allows suffering? Well, John, one of the big answers to that is, or that you have the responsibility of the onus to discover if you truly, truly want to speak the truth of the matter. If you want to have the looking glass pointed the right direction this way and not this way, where you're not the subject, but God is the subject, so you can truly see God for all that He is, rather than just a distorted view. I ask you to see God through the eyes of those who have suffered 
than you have and clean According to your shipwrecked faith, there is no reason for them to open the button. That should be enough to you, and that should drive you to ask that question something. So this morning, I want to start us off with a passage. We're going to go to Job, but I want you to hear these words because there is hope in the midst of this, John. Let me share this with you out of 1 Timothy Paul talks to Timothy about the importance of how to keep from getting to the point that you've gotten. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 18, and so he starts out by saying, This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child. And it's By them you may wage good warfare, holding faith in a good By rejecting the some that made shipwreck of their faith. Rejecting what? We've got to go back to the previous verses. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost, says Paul. But I receive mercy for this reason that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in Him for eternal life. To the King of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever. Amen. If anybody suffers, Paul And yet, listen to his instructions to Timothy. And so he says to Timothy, this charge I entrust you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare holding faith and a good conscience by rejecting this. What is this? This is what Paul talks about in verse 15 all the way through 17. So those who reject it, some have shipwrecked of their faith, among whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, who might have handed over to Satan so that they may learn not to blaspheme this is There is much more going on than meets the eye this morning. And I guarantee you there are many that are watching that are in the same position. So let's move forward. As we get to the book of Job, I felt like that's where we need to go. We're talking about suffering. And if this morning we're going to be honest and real about examining, well, is there anybody who has suffered who still holds to their faith? If we're looking at shipwrecked faith, and we have to look and say, well, is there an example of someone who had it really bad, but they held to their faith? You can know the story of Job, you know the chapter Job 1. We 
wife, who then proceeds to say, curse God and die. He has three friends who uh, are trolls and uh, commenters that we would see over and over on some kind of a blog. Job was not surrounded by a stellar community of people. As a matter of fact, you can really relate to these individuals based off of what we see all around us. Because in our world, all around us, we see first after person who thinks that it is ridiculous that anybody would hold faith in God. I spent the better part of two days watching video testimony of celebrities, of individuals, of athletes who have walked away from their faith, just like John, and their faith has been shipwrecked. And they all say, I can't believe that a God who's supposed to be good, but allows the challenge with this is that if those are wise words, Nowhere in the testimony or the words of Job does he say that God inflicted the suffering upon Job. As a matter of fact, James tells us that God contempts no one. It is impossible in his nature to lead us to sin. So what's really happening that should not be conflated in this story of suffering is that you don't get to see part of the story and not acknowledge the wholeness of the story. And this is where we begin to truly, like so many of Job's friends and his wife, begin to truly We want to attribute the suffering that we see around us to God. Just like Job's wife. And when we do that, we are misinformed. Just as evidence right here in the real actions of Job's life. You see, what is God? God started out by what? Commending Job. It was Satan who said, Really? You made it too easy on me. Pull away all of this. Then you see what he does. Now, you may say that that is a heavenly gambit that is incredibly dangerous. God, why even entertain Satan? Why not just make it so that we don't have to have any suffering? Make it easy. Here's the problem. That requires no faith. It requires no faith. Here's what's interesting about heaven, brothers and sisters. Heaven, when we get there, will require zero faith. This is a faith-based relationship with God. John, this is a faith-based relationship with God. Now, the question you have to deal with, John, is why did Job, who went through so much more suffering than you can imagine, why did he not 
taking advice, the same advice of his wife, and curse God and die. Because Job's faith was accurate. It was based in who God is. Not based on his experience. Job's actions demonstrate that he had the looking glass pointed the correct way. His friends, like this. His wife, like this. John, everything about your testimony says that your perspective is now higher than God's When we hold that view, the thread begins to unravel, just like you said. The thread of the sweater starts to pull away, eventually, I end up with nothing. The question in the midst of this is, how do we keep all of that unraveled? And that's what I don't hear in your testimony, my friend. I don't hear how you thought out this from the people who have gone through greater suffering than you, who hold to their faith. If I've got a flood toilet, if you've got a flood toilet, I have options here. Either I can try to fix it, or I can call some guy with a plunger to fix it, or I can call a 20-year veteran in the plumbing system or plumbing business. And I'm not talking about just an ordinary plug toilet. But what we do with our faith is we often say, I'll fix it, I'll fix it, I'll fix it. And it just keeps unraveling, just like we flatter And then we fail to call the right person to get the real meat and the real information of how to overcome the suffering all around us. You see, here's what's fascinating about what just happened in this in this dialogue with you, John, it's not a dialogue, is that the suffering hasn't changed. You gave up on the only one that can change the suffering or give the, the power to rise above the suffering. Instead, you chose to walk away from that and just embrace suffering. I'm not sure how that is a better word. Start with the sons of heaven. They're going before God. The origins of suffering are not from God. We have general brokenness in creation. Romans 8. We have our adversary. We'll see the end of today out of 1 Peter. He is a prowling lion seeking to devour us. We also have an overinflated belief in ourselves. When we have those three in combination or any uh, any, any form of in and of themselves, the sweater begins to unravel just like it did for John. Job never forgot in his suffering who God was, even though he began to question. So let me take us there. Job 38, you go to the end of the book, and it's the end of Job's suffering. It's an engagement between God and Job, and Job helps us understand even in the midst of suffering, how he knew who God was. Now, he still questions, 
but the text tells us that he never sinned in that process. So Job 38, 1 through 3, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without what? Without God. Dress for action like man, I will question you, and you make it known to me. This is one of the greatest passages for the looking glass illustration. See, what God is saying, hey, uh, Job, since you got it all figured out, since you told me to get out of the chair, it's yours. Job, just take the, the looking glass and point it at yourself. He said, you make it known to me. And this is the challenge that our adversary always throws in front of us. He throws questions to us that are legitimate questions, but they're seeds of doubt. And if those seeds of doubt are just left in and of themselves, and we never deal with them, we never pursue the answer, and we stop focusing on the totality of who God is, then our faith becomes it. So God says, dress for action like my love it, man. Man up, Job, because we're going to have conversations. I'll question you, and you make it known to me. And so what does Job say? Go to verse, or chapter 42, verses 1 through 6. Then Job answered the Lord and said, You can hear this case of you, Job. Okay. Okay. I know that you can do all things. And that no purpose of yours can be for For those of you that don't know this in English, that means chapter or broken or defeated. And he goes on and says this Who is there? Is I counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand. After all the suffering, John listened to this testimony. After all the suffering, there is a turning point, there is a pivot point for Job for coming up to it. But the end result is Job's testimony right here. What did he say? I did not about events that are going on where maybe our name is mentioned in the heavenly kingdom. The battle has nothing to do with us. The battle is between God and our adversary. And yet in God's infinite wisdom, He knows what is ultimately good for us. That does not mean that we will not go through suffering. And I'll have a conclusive statement about why for the most part, we have to go through suffering to understand that. When he says, these things that I didn't understand, and so I was confused, I was upset, I was desperate, my faith was unraveling, maybe, these things were too wonderful for me. Now, Job, because of the pivot moment we're going to reference in a minute, Job had a completely different perspective 
had heard of you by the hearing of the ear. But what happened to Job? What happened because of the suffering? This is the pivot. For those of you that the sweater is unraveling, this is the pivot. But now, my eyes. There's a certain dollar. There's a certain. And I'm not a hundred percent sure what that's true. But I think there's a whole different life. Different. It turns to Job's dog. Thank you. 
bring others by looking at the but also through mercy. You want to see God? And they all condemned him as what? Deserving death. 
in my own wisdom and knowledge condemn you, Jesus Christ, to death. Of course, we can't do that, and we would never do that. Brothers and sisters, we're in the room. Oh, but it gets worse. Now that they've condemned him as deserving death, it says, and some began to spit on him and to cover his face and strike him, saying, prophesy. And the guards received him with blows. Our nation has watched this tragic death this past week to an individual that never should have received it. You know, I'm hard-pressed to hear individuals talk about that is exactly what happened to Jesus Christ. But he volunteered. He volunteered for the suffering that you and I might have eternal life. And what we looked at and thought was a tragedy where a hood was put upon Jesus and then one after another they took blows upon his face and they spit on him. We are all moved and appropriately so at the tragedy of what we saw this past week on video. But are we moved that much about what happened to Jesus Christ? Now watch this. I'm going to help you see God for a moment. Yeah? Because I told you that that was paramount. Job told you that was paramount for making sure you don't shipwreck your faith, John, or, or anybody else. And so listen to this carefully. So how would you respond? We see how the world is responding, don't we? Violence, anger, division. Who's winning? Our adversaries are sitting there laughing. He's ripping us apart. And yet Jesus submitted himself to all of this willingly. Immense suffering. If anybody should have doubted the Father's plan and the righteousness of God, it should have been Jesus. What to say he said on the cross. As he looks out upon those same priests, upon the same people that struck him, who would have been there, he said these words, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And the scripture says, even after he says that, they kept on with their evilness and their maliciousness. And they just kept going and they cast lots to the fire. Look to the cross. See God. So that you are without excuse, so you cannot be confused by the adversary. Let me finish up this morning. John, your band had a great point. By the way, beware, commenter. In one of my videos of how I lost my faith, I was listening to a young girl, probably about 18, 19. She's got a blog, I guess. And she talked about how she always gets this question, have you ever struggled with your faith? And she talked about it. And, and, and how she was able to work through that by seeing God, by looking for God, by speaking to it. Experience God and calling out to God. And John, I, I do not assume you did not do that. But this girl didn't give up. And you'll hear the passage in a minute as to how you can keep yourself from giving up. And it is faith based. But here's what's fascinating, and John, this is where you have to do the work. This is where I pray you are unrelenting. So this girl 
as she's giving testimony, she says, oh, and by the way, as I talk about this, you commenters, just don't bring the hate speech. Don't bring your lack of knowledge. Don't bring your insipid comments that have nothing to do with God, because I'll just block you out. I'm not going to listen to you. I've learned all about that. You know what? Job had the sins, right? He had the three guys. These guys are horrible. They thought they were doing what was right, but they're commenters. They're trolls. They just show up. You have them in your life. You have them in your life. You have Job's wife in your life. Curse God and die. Stop listening to the trolls. And start focusing back on Jesus, back on God, and His plan, and understand there will be suffering. And the reason that there is suffering is because we have history. Satan understood it. Why can't we? Satan said, Hey, you've made life so great for us. That's what we want, right? We want a life with no suffering. By the way, that's been promised in heaven, but not here. And so what happens is, in order for God to show Himself and to make us more dependent on Him, it is our challenge, and it is the challenge of our adversary to destroy and shipwreck our faith. This brings the suffering that seeks to separate us from loving Him. And yet God made a way. He didn't just make a way. He inserted himself into the suffering, experienced the suffering to a greater degree than you and I will ever do, and yet was faithful to see That's where I see because the suffering is there whether I believe in God or not. Not believing in God doesn't take away from So that's me, that's not an answer. So beware of your comments, Mr. John. So I'll quote you again. I've lost my faith. I can no longer believe in a God that allows suffering. So here's the band's comment to their, their friend. Um, they have immense love for him. You can see the rest of the comments. Uh, they encourage him. They let him know that there's always an open door. They encourage the church to be praying for him and to love him and not reject him. The church can be very, very cool. So these are profound words. So now we turn that truth towards one of our own, they continue. That God is still for John and he still matters. Why? And here it is. Because that doesn't change just because of There's so much to say. When there's so understand God in lieu of our perspective. I can close in thought and a passage for you. I told you I'd share this with you. You know, if your sweater is unraveled, favorite sweater of yours. Maybe it can be restored. Maybe it can be restored. So Peter says this, humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Lift you up, right? Cast all your anxieties on him because he's a malevolent God. Because he's got a holy gambit rolling right now? Because he really doesn't care? No, specifically. Because he cares for you. This is coming from one who walked with Jesus, who suffered, who died, 
in history it says he died a martyr's death. His testimony, without shipwrecking his faith, he said, regardless of suffering, he cares for you. So be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, here it is, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Those who have shipwrecked faith always have a reason. Satan's real good at presenting us to God really say don't do something? You just know that when you hear it, you can do what you want to do. And so, tell me, all of you can do it. Let's look at that. are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world, John. And after you have suffered a little while, here it is, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the communion forever.
that we embrace Jesus Christ and how that can be The sons of heaven presented themselves today. They have appointed ambassadors, executors of the Almighty, first responders of heaven. They covet, sorry, they, their covert designs, Jehovah's designs, Satan. There is mystery and majesty and malice by the sons of today. Why, Lord, what compels thee to indulge the adversary? Why, Lord, would you command, recommend, and condemn me to suffer? Why, Lord, when you need not justify, satisfy, or qualify the curator of life? You allowed this malfeasance, permission for prejudicial provocation. The sons of heaven presented themselves today. I uttered what I failed to comprehend, advised without wisdom from a well-meaning friend. Curse God and die, they said, after I lay in a bed of suffering and death. Shall we receive good from God and not evil? The sons of heaven presented themselves today, and I walked with the host of heaven. My questions were without knowledge, a personal perspective of presumptive preference. My answers were with amazement and acknowledgement. He is more than good. He alone is 